Good morning. This is John Richardson speaking with you from Toronto, Canada. It is the morning of January the 18th, 2023. And I am pleased to have with me today a return of one of my favorite guests on this podcast, U.S. tax lawyer, Virginia Latora Jeeker, based in Dubai. How are you today, Virginia? Hi, John. I'm doing well. How about yourself? Well, things are good here. Definitely good here. Well, you know, you sent me uh, sort of advance notice of your blog post coming out tomorrow, which uh, I thought was really interesting, as are all of your blog posts. And it reminded me very much of, uh, you know, that Bill Murray movie, Groundhog Day, where he wakes up and everything is the same. Oh, yes. One of my favorites. Yeah, no doubt the subliminal motivation for your post because, you know, it's quite interesting where you, you know, you reference the, uh, I guess the, t- the annual taxpayer advocate report came out, what, last week or something? Yes. And the uh, same song and dance. I mean, you know, they keep talking about how Americans abroad have all these problems. <laughs> you know, with it, but, but it's been the same thing for like 10, 12 years. Have I got that right? I'm thinking you do, John, because I read it and said, there's nothing new here. So why do you think it's so difficult to get any change? I mean, actually, well, I mean, let's back up a little bit. I mean, I actually am of the opinion that generally speaking, things are actually worse than they were 10 years ago in many ways. What do you think? Um, I I think that what I am seeing is that what has become worse is the IRS response to taxpayers that are overseas or have foreign assets, don't understand what they should be doing with them, and the penalties that are being imposed. I think the response from the IRS has become worse over time, whereas I was hoping we were going to see a little bit more um, I don't know, reasonable responses, shall I say? Well, uh, I mean, don't don't hold your breath on that. But, you know, in the, in the context, uh, I mean, you would agree with me that the, the laws, substantive, that the, the laws have actually gotten more complex for Americans abroad with the rollout of the guilty and... Oh, absolutely, yes. The laws have become far more complicated over time and every time they say they're going to simplify things i i cringe because now i've been practicing 40 years and every time we have quotes tax simplification close quotes it ends up being a worse nightmare than the year before you know i think there's little doubt about that i mean i think you can compare you know sort of the tax code you know, 2023 to 2018 and say, well, not much change, but my God, if you were to go back to 40 years, you've been doing this. There's absolutely no comparison between uh, the U.S. tax system generally then and now. And certainly I think Americans abroad have been significantly victimized by the changes, you know, the, the incremental punishing anything foreign, you know, et cetera. Yes, yes, absolutely. It's a sad commentary. Very sad. Yeah, it really is. It's it's as though the Internal Revenue Code is some 
you know, horrible website that instead of breaking it and starting again, you know, they just tweak it here, tweak it there. And, you know, what we see are all these new provisions added, for, you know, particularly as an example, the expatriation rules that are superimposed on these earlier rules, particularly the state and gift tax regime, you know, and the original rules never contemplated the expatriation rules. And it just, you know, it, it's just horrendously complex and so difficult to comply with. That's correct. And interestingly enough, John, I had a question come in to me from a tax colleague who's been practicing a long time on the expatriation issue, dealing with covered requests and covered gifts from a covered expatriate. And, and trying to sort through the effective dates and how it worked. And he was all concerned about, gee, can it apply to people who expatriated before the um, 2008 rule change came in? And I mean, I had in my head the way it should work, but going back and sorting it through with the language and the effective dates and so forth, it was, it wasn't just a cakewalk, you know, you had to really look at it and, and sit and focus. And I thought to myself, it, it, it shouldn't be that way. I mean, why do you have to keep going, you know, from one screen to the next to figure this out when it's literally like one code section, but it's not only one code section, you've got to go back and what did it say in this, this relevant portion and that portion of, of the old law and the new law. It's, it's a nightmare. It's a total nightmare. We did sort out that that answer, by the way, but the process gave me um, pause for reflection as to how ridiculous it's become as a professional to figure it out, let alone if you're a lay person trying to figure it out, it's impossible. Well, it's, it's very, very difficult. And of course, the expatriation rules are, are a very good example of the overall problem. But I mean, you know, just think of it, right? I mean, the, you know, the 877A punts back over to the 877, you know, it's got years of history. I mean, I don't know, I don't know how anybody understands this. I mean, who doesn't sort of, you know, think about this like most of the time. Uh, you know, it, it, it's so incredibly confusing. I mean, Remember a few years ago, I think we did a po podcast, perhaps a joint. Uh, we or we, I know we both independently done blog posts on the issue of whether the eight seven seven a rules are retroactive or not. Yes, yes. You know, I, I understand they can be read in that way in a literal sense, but contextually, I don't think they are. But you know, it's it, it's a big problem, big big problem. So, what do you? I mean, what do you think people are, what are they going to do about this? I mean, I, I think it's reached the point where the only Americans abroad who can be sure they're in compliance are the ones who don't meet the income thresholds to be required to file. <laughs> and, John, think about it, what you've just said. Now, if you are a U.S. taxpayer and you are married to a non-resident alien, you are wondering, hey, do I need to file because I want to use the status of married filing separately? I don't want to include my non-U.S. spouse's income in the returns, and he doesn't or she doesn't wish me to, to do that, and they don't want to be taxed as a U.S. person. So now I'm using the status married filing separately 
And for example, I'm a stay-at-home mom or a stay-at-home dad who's the U.S. taxpayer. That taxpayer may think, well, I don't need to file anything because I'm not working. Well, you remember you and I looked at this, and if they have $5 of gross income, they need to file. Do you remember this? Virginia, I, I remember it totally. You know, I mean, partly because if you read what the law actually says, the law requires married filing separate people to file with zero income. The $5 thing was the grace of five bucks. <laughs> the, the, the $5 thing was a gift from the IRS. What a Actually. gift it was. So, so there you go when you're saying, well, you know, the only people who don't have to worry are the ones who don't need to file. Well, well what it means is bucks. that Americans abroad need to not marry, they can't have spouses. Right. Because, you know, it's as though by having a spouse, it's a guarantee they have to file. It's a big headache. Isn't that incredible. Yes. I'm sorry. I can't marry you because I'll have to file a tax return. <laughs> well, there you go. There you go. But, you know, so, that was a completely, you know, unintended consequence. Because I remember, uh, you know, the, that would have been the early part of 2018 that that yes. was. And I remember all pile tax repairs being absolutely shocked by this. I mean, that was never announced as part of the deal. And I think it was an unintended consequence. But, you know, it just shows you that as long as this citizenship taxation stuff exists, there's going to be huge problems for America. Right. That's right. That's right. So I think, John, it's time for Congress and the IRS to really to start walking the talk, you know. Everyone's recognizing how serious the problems are for the taxpayers outside the United States with their, you know, issues with keeping financial accounts in foreign countries, the banks and other financial institutions not wanting them as customers, all the problems with the FATCA reporting. Uh, the list goes on and everyone's recognizing the problems, but nothing's being done. I'm just not seeing any action. I'm, I've been waiting for years now. Well, there's no action in changing the laws, but I'll tell you where I think there is action. There is action in encouraging Americans abroad to, ren to renounce their U.S. citizenship if they don't like it. You know, there's a lot of action there. And, uh, you know, I was thinking about it this morning, you know, all this constant brouhaha, you know, about these, these whatever an accidental American. I mean, and I recognize an accidental American when I see one, but I don't know exactly, you know, where you draw the line in terms of defining them. But, you know, this notice 2023-11 uh, that came out on December 30th, uh, which one, you know, which can be viewed as effectively uh, giving certain Americans abroad without social security numbers another three-year reprieve, right, before they get kicked out of their banks. Mm -hmm. um, but along with that is the requirement that the, brand, that the banks let these people know about the relief procedures for former citizens, right? I mean, I read that as Treasury wants these people to not be U.S. taxpayers anymore. They want them out. In other words, they don't want to change the system to make it so people can survive. They want to get rid of the ones who are making noise, right? The ones, you know, who can't comply sort of thing. I mean, that's that's sort of my take on this. That's a, a very reasonable take. 
one of the problems with that whole thing, as I see it, is that those relief procedures, I mean, there's to me, they're very narrowly drawn. In other words, I think you had to have $25,000 tax liability, no greater than that over, is it the five-year period? It's the six. It's, it's the five years year prior year. and the year of expatriation. Yeah. Okay. So I don't know. I mean, I, I don't see clients meeting that. You might. Um, you've got, you know, foreign tax credit things that would help maybe many of your clients. Of course, it would it would benefit a client who's, you know, within the foreign earned income exclusion amounts with with their income, but there's a lot of a lot of accidentals that I'm sorry they're not there, and so these relief procedures will not be assisting them, so they will have still grave problems in trying to get out. Yeah, I, I think that's right. Uh... And, but, you know, the point, you know, your description, though, raises, I think, another point that we probably should articulate. And it's that, you know, these citizenship tax rules, they don't affect Americans broad equally. All right. You know, I mean, it depends what country they live in, what treaty. So, you know, I live in one of the most brutal tax regimes ever known to man, Canada. All right. Mm -hmm. Where, you know, people pay a lot of tax here. You know, you're there in the UAE where there is no income tax. Right. And those kinds of. Uh, you know, people born in the U.S. and therefore U.S. citizens are going to experience this very differently, I think, depending on what part of the world they live in. Absolutely. Absolutely. There's no one size fits all approach. And I, I, I get it. You know, we can't we can't expect our laws to take into account every possible foreign country's tax regime and and make our U.S. tax rules friendly to everybody, depending on their country of, of residence. But what I would expect to see, and I'm not seeing, is a little bit more simpatico from the IRS when they find someone that's messed up somehow with their tax reporting, the foreign information returns, you know, this delinquent information return procedure. For example, people are having big problems with that because even though you can submit a reasonable cause statement for not filing your form 3520 or your form 5471, uh, that's going through the automatic procedures for um, processing the return and the, the tax penalties can be assessed automatically. There's no guarantee that the uh, reasonable cause statement is going to be read. So what happens to those taxpayers when they get assessed the penalty? They've got to go fight with the IRS. They've got to hire a professional usually to help them sort the problem. And they're running around in circles trying to get the penalties um, abated. This isn't making sense to me. Why did they change the procedure to make it harder for people? Not making sense. I don't know. Do well, I mean, nobody, uh, there may be no reason at all for it. I mean, it, it may just be that it's so complicated that they have less understanding of this than, and they probably have no understanding of it, right? I mean, they just see this as, you know, a bunch of rules that apply to everybody. And it's your problem, you know, if you live outside the United States, et cetera. But, 
you know, it reminds me very much of saying in 17th century France that the law and its majestic equality prohibits both the rich and the poor from sleeping on the park bench. <laughs> uh, I mean, it's, you know, I, I don't really think that, uh, you know, I don't think people really have the option of remaining American citizens if they want to live outside the United States anymore. I mean, taxation takes up too much time for all Americans, all right? But for Americans abroad who want to be in compliance with U.S. laws, I think that they are under tremendous uh, pressure to simply stop being Americans mm -hmm. because it just takes up too much time and too much aggravation. And, and I think it's, you know, and, and oddly it penalizes the people who want to be in compliance with the law. That's right. That's right. Not easy. So, John, where do we go from here? You tell me. Well, I don't know. Um, my blog post just <laughs> points out that we are, I don't know, getting nowhere. And I felt that it was just the Taxpayer Advocate Service its report was just, uh, I don't know, um, I would say it, everything combined, the report just pointing out the same old, same old, the responses not seeming to change from the IRS or Congress. It was just a shameful reflection on the problems that, that face the American abroad. And so maybe for that American overseas who's not on like a short-term assignment, for a couple of years, the one who's really planning to live outside of America. I see it behooves them to say, well, you know what, maybe it's time to pull the plug. Well, I, you know, I think that we've been through a decade of awareness of this as a problem. I think a great deal of education, uh, I mean, you know, my view of this is the Treasury could solve all these problems by regulation. Uh, and they, and they not only have they refused to do so, but I understand they refuse to acknowledge they even have the statutory authority to do so, even when the statute clearly says they do. Uh, so I, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, I think that, as I've said many times, all roads lead to renunciation. And I think that the very fact that these taxpayer advocate reports could probably just be cut and pasted, you know, from the previous year. Uh, yes, yes, absolutely. Such a disappointment. I mean, there was no coming down on the IRS and Congress in any harsh way. It's just very disappointing. Very disappointing. Well, it is. And, uh, you know, you've got a great blog post coming out tomorrow. And, you know, I encourage everybody to kind of read it. And I think it, it carries particular weight coming from somebody with your you know, your breadth and depth of experience in this area. Uh, well, well, thank you, John. So on that note, uh, I think which is more factual and positive or negative, uh, where would people get a hold of you and where would they read the post that's coming out tomorrow? Right, okay. Well, they can get to my tax blog by going to www.us-tax.com org org and they can always subscribe and get the blog post that comes out every week 
delivered to their inbox. It's, it's for free. They just need to sign up and send us an email address and we will deliver it. So there's plenty of blog post categories on the uh, website and people who are listening today who feel, yes, they've had enough, can look at the category called expatriation and learn <laughs> everything, they, everything they need right there. Yeah, and, and I mean, we've done a number of podcasts on that topic, and I predict we will continue to do more. And uh, yeah, for listeners, I mean, I think I have been reading Virginia's blog for probably as long as Virginia has had the blog. And, yeah, uh, and I can tell you, it's, it's a great, great blog, which is why I think of Virginia as, uh, as a take on a British Airways ad the world's favorite tax lawyer. So thank you. Thank you so much. Thanks very much, Virginia. And we will certainly pick this up again. Okay, John. Pleasure to speak to you again.